Morning. I'll be reading Romans 7, 7 and 12. That is Romans 7, 7 and 12. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law, for I would not have known covetousness unless the law had said you shall not covet. Therefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. young man beloved again it's good to see everyone we want to especially welcome our visitors we're glad you've come our way if you haven't filled out one of those visitors cards we would really appreciate it and we don't ask for your bank account number or anything like that uh just a little bit of information but we'd love to have you do that and get to know you a little bit better but we're grateful you're here today everyone um rather than we this is part two as you can see here of why jesus came to earth we're, we're going to do i don't know five or six part series on why jesus came to the earth why he returned to heaven and why he's going to return to the earth one day and i hope you you're getting as much as i'm gaining from the study of the, god's word in this uh and the reason i wanted to talk about why jesus came to earth because we're his body on the earth and we're to continue to carry out as the bible says what jesus began to do when he was here on this earth so part two today, why Jesus came to earth. Last week, we looked at six reasons why Jesus came to earth, and every one of them was from the Gospel of John. And so this week, we're gonna, um, we studied how Jesus began a work and how his body, the church, the Bible says now, is to continue his work until he returns again. Uh, we sing that song sometime, we'll work till Jesus comes, and literally, brethren, that's what the body of Christ needs to be doing. And so now we're going to continue to look at six more reasons from the other three Gospels as to why Jesus came to earth. Some of them may be uh, surprising to you, but in each of these uh, that we're going to be looking at, it says, I came for this reason or something along that line. First of all, this morning, brethren, Christ came, he says, in Matthew five seventeen and 18 to fulfill the law. Okay? He said, look, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. Some people say, well, well, you know, Christ came to destroy the law. The law isn't bad, brothers and sisters, as was just read to us in the scripture from Romans. It's good. The law is holy and righteous. It's just. It is spiritual. We're talking about the old covenant, the Old Testament law. It was given by God to his people for a period of time. Um, the psalmist in Psalms 119 verse 97 says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. So it's not that the law is bad, brothers and sisters. As Paul explains in the book of Romans, it's that people are bad. We're sinners. We could not, sinful man cannot keep a perfect law. So the law is good. It's wholesome. It's a holy thing. And, um, and we, haven't, uh, we haven't come into the kingdom to reject or to destroy the law. Neither did Jesus. Jesus did not say, I came to keep the law perfectly, although he did do that. He said, I came to fulfill the law. Now, how do you do that, brethren? How did Jesus fulfill the law? And how do we fulfill the law of God today? The Bible is very plain about that. Uh, John 1.29 says this, by becoming flesh, by becoming the Lamb of God and sacrificing himself. The next day he saw, he being John the baptizer, saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, beloved, are you a Lamb of God? If you're in Christ, you are. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and we're his sheep. 
And so we are a lamb of God. So what's our mission then as God's lamb, as God's body today in, in this world? We are to assist in taking away the sins of the lost. Now, how do we do that? Of course, Jesus did this in a way we can't, and only he can, as Chris pointed out so well, by dying on the cross. But he also did it in a way that we can do it, and that is by telling others about God and the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're to continue to do as the children of God today because he went to the cross. We can now go to lost mankind with the good news of what he accomplished on the cross for everyone that will come to him. And so like Jesus, brothers and sisters, the Bible says we are, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Jesus offered his body on the cross so that we can be saved. We're to offer our bodies today as a, as a living sacrifice, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, and it says that that's your reasonable service. It's not anything unreasonable, and we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. We sacrifice so that we can reach out and bring people to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law sacrificially, in his body. Read the book of Hebrews. It explains that in detail. The church today is his earthly body. And so we're to continue to do the same thing. So Jesus fulfilled the law by demonstrating uh, his uh, example, by his example and his life and his death, that love fulfills the law. What fulfills the law of Christ? The Bible says it's in so many places, brother. Galatians 5. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbors yourself. How did Jesus fulfill the law? Not only by sacrificing himself on the cross, but by loving everybody. How does God's church, how does his body, how does his people today fulfill the law? By loving the way that we should love, the Bible says. Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. Tells us the same thing. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. John, uh, I'm sorry, James 2, verse 8. For this, he, he quotes from the law, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not commit murders, you shall not shield, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In Matthew 22, 35 through 40, Jesus Oh, I'm sorry, love, I'm sorry, I, I always, uh, if y'all don't get it quick, I miss it. And love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so you fulfill the law of God by loving the way Christ loves us, as he tells us in John chapter 13. In John, in Matthew 22, 35 through 40, um, and um, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, tells him, teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and some other gospels that, and your strength, okay? In other words, we're to love God with every fiber of our being, brothers and sisters. And then what does he go on to say, okay? Um, this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commands depend or hinge, some versions say, the whole law and the prophets. So, brethren, in John 13, the Bible explains that Christ fulfilled the law. Oh, nothing, and he, uh, we, we said that again, didn't we? Oh, nothing, anyone except love one another, for he who loves his neighbors fulfilled the law. Okay? And so, Christ fulfilled the law, brothers and sisters, when he um, 
took off the teacher's robe, as it were, put on a slave's apron, and got down on his knees to wash the dirty feet of 12 men, one of whom was going to de deny him, another who was going to betray him, and he says, as we just read in that, you see? And so what does he say? Oh, nothing anyone except to love one another because love is the fulfillment of the law. Brothers and sisters, when we love the way God says to do, God, we love God with every fiber of our being, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbors, yourself, then you have fulfilled the law of God. You, you have fulfilled it all. You, you ever think about that seriously, brothers and sisters? You know why love fulfills the law of God? Because love will always do the right thing. Love will always do the right thing. If, if somebody loves me, they ain't going to knock me upside the head and take my money. It'd be a futile effort, but they're not going to do that. If somebody loves you, they're not going to try to cheat with your wife. Love does the right thing. Every single command that God can thunder from Sinai or whisper from the mountain or shout from the cross on Calvary's hill is fulfilled in love. Man, if we would emphasize that, brothers and sisters. Now, people can and do abuse this. We understand that. You hear people say all the time, uh, you know, you encourage them to, to follow the God and do what God says to do and, 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 and quote certain scripture that they need to be doing, and, and they will say this, well, I love God, so I don't have to follow a bunch of rules. I love God, so I really don't have to do that. I know what the Bible says, but as long as I love God, that's all that matters. No, brothers and sisters, love fulfills the law. Jesus said it this way very clearly, very simply in John 14, 15. If you love me, that word is if is conditional, always. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love fulfills the law. So that's why Jesus came to the earth, brothers and sisters. That's what we're to continue to do in his church, in his body. Secondly, Jesus came so that everyone in every village would hear the gospel. You know, when I was uh, first starting out preaching, I went to a Bible college, and, 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 and they, their big emphasis was, you need to go where you can make the best impact. You need to go to the big cities. You need to, everybody, every evangelist, every minister needs to go to the large cities, you know, and, and, uh, and evangelize so you can make the greatest impact for the Lord. But what about them lost heathens in Lake Park? Y'all, there are some lost heathens in Lake Park. Okay, you know, and this is what Jesus talks about here in our text, okay? In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went away to a secluded place, and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everybody's looking for you. Oh, brother, this is so typical of disciples, isn't it? He said to them, let us go somewhere else to the towns nearby so that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. See, Jesus had had a very successful ministry around Capernaum, brethren. He, many thousands of people were following him. So he gets up early in the morning before daylight. He goes out to pray, and, he, and he's really fervently in prayer to the fathers. The disciples find him. I'm sure they interrupted his prayer. And, and after performing all these miracles and healing the sick and casting out demons, and in the midst of this this wonder-causing, people-gathering, devil-defying, greatly successful ministry, which any preacher would love to have, 
Jesus went out to pray, and his disciples find him and said, you need to, you know, and, and brother, this is what you do. Somebody said, what do you do um, when God is really blessing you work? You get up early and you pray. Now, this is what the disciples did, verse 36 and 37. They came to him and said, you need to go back into town. You know, we had a great day yesterday. Man, we got a great spiritual revival to go. There's still so much to do. What are you doing out here all by yourself? You need to get back into town because there's a great crowd there that is waiting for you. And verse 38, Jesus said, no, I want to go to the next village. Why? Why do you want to go to the next village? Jesus I've preached the gospel to these folks. I want to go to the next village because that's the reason I came. Beloved, Jesus came so that everybody in every village could hear the gospel. He went to the big town of Capernaum, had great success. Now he's got to go on to the smaller places. He went to all of the villages in his area to show why he came to the earth. And, 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 and he went there to show why we as his body on the earth today are to continue to do the same thing. So that everybody everywhere will hear the gospel. Now, beloved, listen to me. You don't have to do it as well as somebody else. All you have to do is do it. And if we all do it, we're going to have great success. You know, people get so busy comparing themselves with others and, and, and that we wring our hands in and, and, and this unholy despair and, and we say, oh, I never could win souls the way brother so-and-so does or I never could. Brethren, God wants you to influence those people around you. What we need to do is to lift these people up in prayer and, and tell others about Jesus. Amen? That's why we're here on this earth. There was a song that, and I want to kind of play on this, and y'all may not even, you younger person, of anything, in my day there was a song that said, if you can't love the one, if you can't, if you can't love, uh, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Y'all remember that song, some of y'all? Okay, some of you smiled, okay? Well, listen, brothers, if, you, if, you, if you're not with a person you want to tell, uh, then tell the person you're with, right? Tell everybody. Jesus went to the next village in order to do that. It was so important. There's a great illustration about this, you know. <clears throat> There's four lepers in 2 Kings 6. They're trying to beg for some food in Samaria, but they ain't none. The, the Samaria, Samaria's been surrounded by their enemies, and they're starving them, literally starving them out. The Syrian army has surrounded the city. The city's starving. A donkey's head sells for $33 in our money in that day. That would be a bunch of money. One-fourth pint of dug dung, dove dung, sells for over $3. So, the well-to-do, the rich, are trying to scrape a little more brain from a donkey's head. And the poor folk are running their fingers around the inside of an empty jar of dug manure, trying to survive. So when the rich are eating donkey brain and the poor are eating dove manure, then what are lepers going to beg for? They ain't nothing left. So you know what one leper said? He assessed the situation. And he said, you know what? If we stay here, we're going to starve. No ifs, ands, or buts. 
And he gives that very famous quote. Why sit here till we die? Why do that? Brethren, there's churches all over this area and all over the United States that are sitting there just waiting till they die. So he said, let's go down to the Syrian camp. The worst thing they're going to do is kill us. And we're going to die anyway. Well, what they didn't know is that that night God scattered the Syrian army, right? And when he scattered them, he scattered them well, and they left behind all their gold, their belongings, and especially their food. So these lepers came into camp, and nobody's there. And there's gold, and there's garments, and there's grub, especially food. And those leopards eat like only starving people could. I'm sure, knowing human beings, they filled their pockets with gold, probably buried some more to come back and get later, and they're enjoying themselves. And finally, one of the leopards, in a little bit of conscience, says, what are we doing here? We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and rejoicing, and we're holding our peace. And so these lepers, brothers and sisters, decided, again, if we wait until the morning light, judgment will overtake us. They didn't delay. Starving people, many of them would be dead by tomorrow. Tomorrow would be too late. Y'all see the spiritual application? Here are lepers, brothers and sisters, rejected and shunned by their society leading the very ones who shunned them to a scrumptious feast. So everybody ate the food that their heavenly Father had provided them. Beloved, in the same way, Jesus came to provide salvation freely to a people that's starving in sin. And through Christ, God has emptied our enemy's camp. And he defeated Satan by dying on the cross and rising from the grave. And then he told his disciples, that's you and I, to continue to do what he began and to tell the good news to the entire world. The enemy has been defeated, says Christ. His camp is empty. Now you come to the glorious feast, you starving ones. That's what we need to be doing, brothers and sisters. Because at one time in our life, we were those lepers. And Jesus Christ came. So we get off our pews and go tell the world they have a Savior. That they can come to the great feast. That's what the body of Christ is to continue to do. Thirdly, Jesus came to call sinners to repentance along the same line. Luke chapter 5, okay? And uh, in, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus is trying to uh, un- help people understand that uh, people need to be saved in le- verses 27 through 32, which is our text. Um, verses, first five verses, you, in the context, he takes the disciples from failure to success causes them to have a great uh, catch tons and tons of fish to their nets are breaking, and then he calls them to repentance. He takes a, he, he takes a leper from sickness to health later on. He's just, he's just doing all these great and wonderful things, and in the midst of all of this, what does he do? 
okay? Our text in verse 27 through 32, he calls sinners to repentance. Is that one printed y'all in here or do I need to turn to it? Some, some I put down to be, <laughs> all right, we, we're going to turn there. Let's do the old-fashioned, turn in your Bibles, okay, um, to Luke chapter, um, what did I say? Are y'all listening? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know what, it, it's easy to get dependent on that, isn't it, brethren? We preachers need not to do that, okay? Um, Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse 27. After that, he went out into, and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in the house, and there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. And the Pharaoh, the Pharisees, I'm sorry, and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need the physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous. Then why did you come, Lord? He said, I've come to call the sinners to repentance. That's what he's come to do, brothers and sisters. He called Levi, or we know him as Matthew, to follow him. And, and Levi's a Benedict Arnold, a traitor to Israel, a thief. He gets rich on other people's backs. What did Jesus do? He saves his soul. He, had a, he added a new disciple to his kingdom. He gained an additional audience who believed uh, Jesus would have nothing to do with them, which was the tax collectors and other sinners in that regard. And what does D Levi do? You know what Levi does, brothers and sisters, that we can do? He got dinner ready. Can we do that? Levi invited all of his heathen friends and introduced them to Jesus. Now, his critics, of course, condemn Christ for associating with sinners. And so Jesus gives four illustrations as to why he does what he does. He talks about the physician, and he talks about the bridegroom, he talks about the garment, he talks about wineskins, and so he gives these, and he gives these illustrations, and you all read these on your own, we won't have time today, but he gives these illustrations to make one simple point. I have come to save the lost. As he said again in verse 31, the well don't need a doctor. It's the sick that do. I've come to call the sinner to repentance. Friend, are you a sinner? Are you a sinner? Then you're the one that Jesus Christ came to save. Now, why are we Christians here? Why didn't we just go from the baptistry to heaven, brothers and sisters? Wouldn't that make things a whole lot easier? Wouldn't that be nice? You know? No, no, no. Jesus has us here because he continues to work through his body, through his people to call sinners to repentance. Jesus came to call sinners to repentance. We're to continue his work and to continue to call sinners to repentance. Fourthly, and we'll be done in another hour, Luke 19, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. You notice the theme here, brothers and sisters? This is the conversion of Zacchaeus. You are familiar with the story in Luke 19. He's a chief tax collector. He's the worst of the worst, right? And so in a time when 
men were to be dignified. Men in that day didn't run, brothers and sisters, unless they were running from a bear or an enemy or something. Zacchaeus ran, climbed a tree like a little boy so he could see uh, Jesus pass by. And here's a guy that's not worried about what his friends and, and his community is going to think of him because, one, he had very few friends, and two, his community hated him anyway. So here's a man seeking Christ, and he is found by Christ, of course. And Jesus says to him, Zacchaeus, we're going to eat at your house today. Can you imagine what Miss Zacchaeus thought if there was one? Husband brings about 13 guys home for supper. Unannounced. Can you imagine Miss Zacchaeus taking him one side? How'd you invite all these people here? And he said, I didn't. <laughs> they invited themselves. Zacchaeus, brothers and sisters, fed them, and a poor man became rich. I know Zacchaeus had tons of money, but after finding Jesus, he discovered true wealth. In Luke 19.10, Jesus says what? In the conversion of Zacchaeus, for the Son of Man has come. Why did Jesus come to this world? The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. What's the lesson for us today, brothers and sisters? Find someone up a tree and introduce him to Jesus. Let's do what the body of Christ is supposed to do. Fifthly, and I am trying to be brief because we do need to hurry. Luke 12, Jesus came to bring, bring, bring a dividing sword in the world. You said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, that, doesn't that just eat us up? You said, I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I'm going to bring a dividing sword. I've come to cast fire on the earth and how I wish it were already kindled. Does that sound harsh? But I have a baptism on going, how distressed I am to it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth? We sing about that all around Christmas time, right? The Prince of Peace. He's, I tell you no, but rather division. Now, brethren, this isn't his will, but he understands this is the way it's going to be. For now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and I, I can tell you son-in-law against daddy-in-law too. Um, okay, he do not think that I came to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Is this the way Jesus would desire it to be? Certainly not, brethren, any more than we would want to be in that situation. He's simply stating a fact that a man's enemies will be the members of his own household sometime. Why is it that way, brothers and sisters? Why did Jesus do that? Jesus didn't come to bring peace, he said, to the world, but division. Now, his people have a godly peace, but not the world. He says he's going to bring a sword there, a sword divides. Jesus said the gospel, brothers and sisters, will divide households. He knew this would happen as some choose to follow him while others reject him. And as the Bible says, light and darkness cannot dwell as one. There has to be a division. Christ would rather than me be divided from my mother and my father, my brother, my sister, my boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend, and be united in him because through um, by, by being uh, divided from him and united with lost relatives and friends, then you're hellbound. And Jesus understood that. There's a toughness to loving God that the 21st century church is not willing to follow sometimes. 
if your commitment to God causes others to reject you, beloved, then you continue to follow Christ. God says light and darkness and, and his children and Satan's children don't mix too well. The division of families and friends is going to be the natural result. Beloved, what he's saying here is don't go to hell for anybody. Don't do that. You follow Christ. And then sixthly, Matthew 20 and Mark 10, I'm going to try to go quickly and run over some things, so if I don't read something in the sound booth, y'all forgive me. Jesus said he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In this context, Christ said in order to be great, you need to become a servant. And if you want to be first, you need to become a slave. And if you want to be like Christ, you become a sacrifice. Jesus came to serve and to give his life as a ransom. Am I to offer my body as a living sacrifice? In the Lord's church, Romans 12, 1 and 2 again, of course. When I've done that, then I've done what the Savior came to do. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came, he reached out, he loved, he served. He gave his life on a cross as a ransom. A ransom is paid according to the value of the thing that is to be redeemed. Okay? If I were ever kidnapped and they called my parents and said, we want a ransom, Mama would have said, you keep the boy. God values us so highly that he gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. Jesus values you so highly that he gave his own life on a horrible cross. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with the precious blood as of a lamb unspotted, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. Friend, us sinners... Jesus came to this earth to die on a cross in order to save us, to redeem us, to pay the price, to pay the ransom, and to repurchase us. He tells us how to do be, be in his family and be redeemed in his word, and we'd love to share that with you. If you're not in Christ, oh, don't let anything or anyone hinder you. I'm coming to him now while we stand in.